Hey, welcome back to episode six of Let's Unfuck This Shit. This is Gabriella, and today we are joined by my second guest, and that's my sister. Hey. She's literally the cooler version of me. She's stop, six stop, years please. younger. That is true. Um, but yeah, we are currently in her apartment in the spare bedroom with some tea. And I'm not in my normal studio this week. And by studio, I mean my kitchen table. (laughs) We are going to make it work. And by make it work, I mean she's feeling a little sniffly and there's a lot of outside noise. So please forgive me. So this is my BB sister and I will let her introduce herself. Thanks, Gabby. Um, I'm Anjali. I'm BB sister. Um, Gabby says I'm cooler than her. I... Can't confirm or deny, but I feel like I have important things to say about feelings because I feel things and boundaries because those are important. Because you boundary? Because I boundary, yeah. (laughs) Boundaries because she boundary. Yeah, I'm not even going to lie to y'all. We decided to talk about boundaries and feelings because it was like on my list of topics, but I do feel like we have differences of opinion Mm -hmm. and different abilities when it comes to feeling feelings. Mm -hmm. And setting boundaries, so I hope that you guys will be able to learn something from us and our lived experiences. Um, I guess as a little bit of background, um, she and I have the same sperm donor, but we have different moms. So I think that that really was a big catalyst for the differences Mm -hmm. in our lives. Um, Our moms are completely different people in every way, shape, and form. And I think that that helped shape the way that we see feelings and boundaries. Um, I think that your mom is really great at feeling her feelings and setting boundaries. Yes. Um, And I'll leave it at that. (laughs) I, (laughs) I think also you growing up in a two parent home also changed things until you were 12 your face is saying something otherwise. You have thoughts about this? I wouldn't... I don't necessarily say that I grew up in a two-parent home because when sperm donor was there, he wasn't active. He wasn't actually there. He sat on the couch, drank beers, told me to get beers for him. It was never a two-parent household. Interesting. So when he left, I was glad, and so was everyone else because it was a weight off of all of our shoulders, even huh. me at 10. Okay, that's a hot take. I haven't actually thought about that before, but that that definitely sounds true. Like, yeah. that doesn't surprise me in the least bit. Yeah, I would never consider myself a two-parent household ass bitch. Wow. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. You heard, you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Just because your parents live in the same home doesn't mean that everything is hunky-dory. I mean, that's not news. Right. But that's an interesting perspective, though. Okay, so when we were talking earlier, you think... That it's better to feel your feelings first mm. and then name them in hindsight. And that's interesting to me because I feel like I feel things very intensely. And in the moment, I, I'm always wondering, like, am I feeling adequately to this situation? Because I've always had big feelings. And I always think that, like, because people have called me so sensitive and because I've always been that like outwardly big feeling ass bitch that I'm always questioning like am I am I doing too much for this situation is right. this an appropriate response to what's currently going on right gaslighting yourself 100% yeah I mean when you're gaslit for your entire life by other people Absolutely. like what other choice it's do you have it's only fair you do it to yourself right so talk to me about how you feel your feelings oh bitch um 
Wow, yep. Mm-hmm. Good talk. That is <laughs> such a big question. <laughs> Wait. I guess a better way to phrase it is, like, do you know when you're having an emotional reaction? Because, like, for me, I know that I'm having an emotional reaction when I feel the need to go do something. When I need to, like, when I suddenly want mm. to go unload the dishwasher, I'm like, hmm, I may be having an emotional situation right now. Interesting. That is completely unrelated to the dishwasher. Right, yeah. Interesting. But I, I immediately go into, like, I want to fix this. Mm. So I think of things that I can use to distract myself right? to, quote-unquote, fix the feelings. It's not actually fixing anything. It's just... Right. I feel like when I feel emotions, I tend to... I, I tend to feel them intensely when they first come on. I feel them, and then I'll maybe write about it. I'll for sure cry about it. Yeah, that's You would have thought I wouldn't cry about it. Um, I cry about it, and then I kind of assess what's in my power to, like, fix about it and what... I can do to make myself immediately feel better in regards to addressing the situation rather than distracting myself. I definitely do have times where I distract myself, but it's never my first thought. It's always, um, I guess it also depends on like the category of emotion. Like if it's a sad emotion, I will maybe like sit and some people call it wallowing, but I sit and I write about it and I think it through in that sense and I really focus on it. If it's an anxiety emotion, I will kind of beat around the bush a little bit more because um, I will feel like there's, like, too much. An elephant is so big I need to bite somewhere, so I'll typically clean. Like, that's my first thought when I'm anxious is I clean as fuck. I do the same thing. How long would you say... Because I think the wallowing portion of it is the most important. That's the part that nobody wants to do. Like, you really do have to sit in it and... Yeah. Let yourself actually feel it before you go into the fixing. How yes. long would you say that you do this quote unquote wallowing that you speak of? I think it it depends person to person because there's a lot of people who think that wallowing is completely destructive and it's not part of the grieving process. It's not part of the feeling process because it takes time to do like nothing. You're taking time out of your day to outwardly do nothing but inwardly you're making all of these changes and thinking and processing from the outward perspective because life is all about like go 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 make money do this that and then like go to sleep and wake up and repeat but if you're confronted with a hard emotion like it's seen as negative if you're wallowing in it I've definitely been put down for wallowing in my emotions yeah for sure I think if it gets to a point where you're like isolating yourself right and things like that then that's a different story. But um, I do think that it's important to actually feel it. Yeah. And feel all of it. Yes, feel every aspect of it. Right. And then we also talked earlier about how some emotions can outwardly present as something different than what we're feeling inside. Like nine times out of ten when I'm angry, I'm actually just hurt about something Mm -hmm. where I will outwardly present as mad, but Mm -hmm. really I'm just hurt or sad. Yeah, I think you find that a lot in relationships, like in friendships and relationships, that like, it's easier, I feel like anger is the easiest emotion to feel because it's the easiest to express. You are in a bad mood, you pout, you do shit like that, but I feel like other emotions when you're sad or things like that, it's harder to express because you don't really feel like expressing anything because you're sad about something or you're like, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, it's like Brene Brown calls it the mad, sad, glad triad. When she did all that research, those were literally the only three emotions that people were able to identify. Mad, sad, glad. Like, she interviewed thousands of people, and that's it. And when she sat down and asked people, what are you feeling? Their first question was, well, what should I be feeling? (sighs) Yeah. These people be broken. People don't be knowing how to feel anything. No! Damn. So we also talked about um, things that we do to induce feelings. I've heard it a lot that, like, oh, I haven't had a good cry in a while. Like, let me go have a good cry. Like, I I like to induce my feelings with music. I feel like you're probably... What is your way of inducing feelings? Now, this goes back to the wallowing aspect. Because if I'm sad, you bet your ass I'm going to be putting on Frank Ocean and crying. And that's it. Like, and, and that is part of the healing process for me. I need to cry to that. I need to, like, feel that. Because it also helps music-wise to listen to your emotions be portrayed how you can't exactly, like, express them. Like, moods of a song, if they're sad or something, it's much easier to hear someone say what you're feeling and cry to that rather than try to figure out what you're feeling. Is that... That sounds to me like it could be a distraction to an extent... Because if you're listening to somebody else talk about their feelings right. and latching on to that, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but right. I'm saying if you just stop there, yeah. then I feel like you're only, you're doing yourself a disservice Absolutely. if you only cry about somebody else's words rather than actually getting to the bottom of why you're feeling what you're feeling. Yeah. That's why I champion so much for like journaling and stuff, because like that is your own, purely your thoughts and feelings down on paper. When do you journal? All the fucking time. Mostly every morning or if I'm sad, I will write out everything that I'm feeling. If I'm in a hard place, I'll, I'm I'm a whore for lists. I love lists. I make mm. pros and cons. I make grocery lists, to-do lists, lists for like, is this a good idea? Is this a good idea? Like I will literally word vomit onto a page in list form, in free write form where I'll have like, I'll start a timer for a minute and I'll write something I learned in my creative writing class. Um, I'll write every single thing that comes to mind, even if it's just a word repeated, and I won't stop moving my pencil for a minute straight. And then you look back on it and you see what you've written, and shit comes out that is subconscious, that you've never even thought about. But because you're being forced to put everything that comes into your mind on paper, and sometimes it goes blank, but I just repeat the last word I wrote, and then I keep going. Like, Yeah, Colleen and I talked about that, um, that when I, I write sometimes... And I will write shit down that I'm not really, like, consciously processing as I'm writing it. But you're right. When you do read it back, you surprise the shit out of yourself. Like, where did that come from? And why have I never considered that up until this point? Yep. I went through a phase where I was doing that and then going back in with, like, colored markers and, like, highlighters and stuff. And highlighting shit that I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Who said that? That's a great idea. Okay, so I feel like... Um, setting a timer and writing for a minute continuously is a really good way to get yourself started if you're not a writer. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the idea of going back in and highlighting stuff with a different color so you can, like, see what the fuck just happened. Yeah, and reprocess. Mmm, okay. So when you are, so you're telling me that you're crying and writing at the same time. Absolutely. My... My pages will be tear-stained. Ink bleeding everywhere. You bet your ass. How? I Sometimes I literally have to stop writing because I'm crying too hard while I'm writing and I can't see what I'm writing. Like, shit just, like, 
makes me cry. I'm just Well, no, I mean, I understand that, but just, like, when I'm crying or feeling that way, all I want to do is, like, get a stuffed animal and have a blankie and just, like, not be a person. So that's definitely avoiding the feelings. (laughs) (laughs) You don't say. Absolutely is. Um... I think I want to, the reason I do that is because I want to stop feeling them because they're negative emotions. I want to stop as soon as possible. So I do everything in my power to stop feeling like that. And for me, that's working through the emotion as soon as I feel it. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so we felt the feelings, we cried about it, we wrote about it, we learned some shit. After the fact, how do you, like, analyze what you've been feeling and accurately name what that emotion was. I think that's my biggest, I'm really bad at that. I, I kind of try to group everything together into like, honestly, mad, sad, glad. And I Mm -hmm. kind of leave it at that. Mm -hmm. And there's so many more descriptive words. I guess I can start with this. Do you feel like it's more effective to very accurately and descriptively name your emotions? Or are you okay with just keeping it simple? For me, I need the specifics. In order to fully, like, comprehend what I'm feeling, I'll typically start with, like, a broader emotion, and then I'll narrow it down to why exactly am I, like, like, angry about this specific thing, like, and it boils down to so many other little tiny things that I can, like, kind of generalize later. I feel like the why, though, is different than the emotion itself. (laughs) I'm really trying like, sad is not just sad. Like, yeah, sad can be a lot of different actual things. Like, there's anguish, there's despair, there's, like, a lot of different acute types of sad. Hmm. Do you get to the granular, like, naming what exactly this is? Maybe nothing. I guess I th- figure out why... I figure out the why. Like, I feel like the why for me is explanation enough to the, like, broader emotion. Interesting. Okay, so neither of us are really great at identifying our <laughs> Okay. Ab. I feel like maybe not on, like, a... Yeah, then maybe I lied about the specifics of it. Like, as far as, like, distinguishing, like, like an anguish or, like, a despair. Like, I feel like I, I don't have the mental capacity I don't have the mental thesaurus to say those emotions I yeah I don't either but apparently that's important like when you read Atlas of the Heart eventually when you are able to accurately identify your emotions it changes the experience that you have of that emotion Mm. I think the first step to that is finding out the why anyway I feel like you have to figure out what you're feeling before you can figure out why you're feeling it like if you're if you just say, I'm mad, and you're actually jealous, mm-hmm. and you go on thinking, like if, I, like, if I'm trying to find a solution for being mad and a solution for being jealous, I feel like those are two different solutions. Yeah. So that's what I mean. I feel like it's important to identify what exactly is going on, and then you can get to a more accurate reason why. So would you say that, like, explaining your problem and then matching it to an emotion is the way to do it? Oh, I don't know how to do any of this shit. I don't know. Oh. But apparently it's important. Says who? <laughs> everybody. <laughs> every like everybody. Well, okay. shit. All the like the professionals and shit. Okay, so we just had to pause and regroup. I have learned about the feelings wheel through treatment, 
And I think that we are now coming to the realization that I don't think she's as good as analyzing exactly what she's feeling as we thought. Because I pulled up this feelings wheel and like sad, for instance, can be broken down into lonely, vulnerable, despair, guilty, desperate, or hurt. And then those can further be broken down into isolated, abandoned, victimized, fragile, grief, powerless, ashamed, remorseful, empty, inferior, disappointed, and embarrassed. And I feel like finding the why for each of these individual emotions is a lot more impactful than finding out, like, why am I sad? You know, I feel like it can go way deeper than that. This shit is baffling to me. Yeah. I've never seen something that makes so much sense. This is something we all need, like, readily available to us. 100%. I think everybody needs to print out a feelings wheel. Everyone right now look up a feelings wheel and have your shit blown. Yeah, like, I'm not just angry... I'm let down, humiliated, bitter, mad, aggressive, frustrated, distant, or critical. Or betrayed, resentful, disrespected, ridiculed, I can't even... Indignant? All of those. Violated, furious, jealous, provoked, hostile, infuriated, annoyed, withdrawn, numb, skeptical, dismissive. Like, damn! Yeah! Damn! It's that granular. I feel like that would be so helpful. Yes! And I feel like you'd be able to come to a, not a solution, but like, a root cause a lot quicker. Yes. If you can find out like minutely what the actual fuck is going on yes not just what the general fuck right the actual literal fuck right life-changing groundbreaking okay so next time you're having a lot of feelings i want you to pull up a feelings wheel shut the fuck and identify absolutely what the hell's actually going on now that you have so many op like i can't even count the options are endless yeah there's, like, probably a hundred emotions on here, and that's just me taking a guess. I don't oh even know. Oh, my God. So, finding the root cause of the emotions that you are aware of, I also think is very important. Not to fix the problem, but if you find yourself in the pattern of when XYZ happens, I always feel this afterwards. Mm-hmm. I think finding the root cause of why you feel that way is super important, and it sounds like you agree. So... An example I have for kind of getting to the root of something is I was feeling um, in my relationship um, with my partner, I was feeling very um, jealous and he's never given me a reason to be jealous. He's never done anything unfaithful. He's never given me that. He's actually done the opposite. But for some reason, I had to work through for a while, like, why was I feeling jealous? Why did I not, like, why, why was I feeling this way? And just recently, I came to the conclusion that it was a lack of trust in a completely separate area. Like, I had been, he had broken my trust in other ways that were completely unrelated to other people and other women, essentially. And I kind of equated it, like, you broke my trust here, but I feel like I've lost control in that aspect. So the way I can keep control is in, like, this area. So for me, something that's currently going on is that I really would like to get closer with your mom again. And I think, like, the thought of that brings me so much anxiety. And when I was thinking more about it, I think it really comes... And, I mean, and this may develop more over time, but the point that I'm at right now in figuring out the why is that I feel like I don't really know what to get out of a mom like what a healthy relationship with a mom looks like 
and what I would go to a mom about to get healthy feedback just because I've, I feel like I've never really had that. Um, and it just, I guess if I tease apart the anxiety and I get to more of a root cause, I mean, it really comes down to like a fear of abandonment, Mm -hmm. but I mean, that's a whole other, whole other thing. I've always said things very matter of factly. Like I just state them and it is what it is. And it's because I'm not actually connected to the emotions that I'm talking about while I'm talking about them. Whereas I very much feel things when I'm saying them as if I'm feeling them for the first time. Mind literally blown. It's mind blowing that you don't feel anything when you're talking about it. Because I feel like I talk like so passionate, passionately about like an emotion that I've had. That's also why I'm a crying ass bitch is because I will talk about trauma that I've honestly resolved, but I still cry about it because it still hurts that it happened to me. And like, I'm feeling those emotions again, even though I've healed from it. Wow. I'm, I'm like a set it and forget it ass bitch. Like I, I just work. I don't know. And maybe I don't actually work through it. I'm like very, I'm so disconnected from my emotions that I don't know that I'm having an emotional experience until I'm trying to fix it. Mm. When I find myself, and this is only very recent, when I find myself trying to fix a thing, I'm like, huh, maybe this is a feeling. I start to feel my emotions before I know I'll feel them. Like if I, if there's a scenario that I know will cause a certain emotion, I'll feel that emotion before I'm in the scenario. And then I'll feel it in the scenario, and then I'll feel it after the scenario when I'm trying to fix it. So you don't just feel anxiety leading up to a scenario? No, I anticipate my emotions. Oh my god. (laughs) I just anticipate other people's emotions. I don't know how to anticipate my own. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we have come to the conclusion that finding the root cause of your emotions and accurately depicting what the emotion is helps you come to a more concrete and applicable solution. But where does this intersect with boundaries? You can have boundaries with yourself and you can have boundaries with other people. Boundaries with yourself. How are those different? How, yeah, how is that different than self-awareness? I um, define it, I define self-awareness as knowing yourself, seeing the negatives and positives of what you bring to the table. It's more of like a recognition type of thing of your consciousness and your being, just having that self-awareness. And then boundaries, I define as more of an um, action, a solution, uh, doing something about your negatives and positives in regards to how you present yourself, how you treat other people, how you process emotions, things like that. Okay, so the self-awareness is just, it sounds like the self-awareness comes first, and then you build boundaries based on those awarenesses. Yeah, I have, um, yeah, the self-awareness is the catalyst to make boundaries. Oh, okay. Okay, Mm -hmm. so what examples of boundaries do you have with yourself? I've recently realized that I have kind of thrown my boundaries out the window in regards to, like, giving myself to someone else, like... In friendships and relationships, I tend to throw myself all in and I give and give and give as much as I can. And that is 
like, that has just come to my attention recently that I'm, I've been doing that, and, um, I've lost p- friendships over it, and no one really brought it up to me until my one friend Yaz did, um, she essentially was like, hey, I feel like you're losing yourself in this relationship, and no one had ever said that to me, and it was, like, groundbreaking for me, because I was like, fuck, you're right, like, I have lost myself in this relationship, and I didn't have the boundaries with myself, and it went on a long time after that, like, even though she recognized it in me, I had to recognize it within myself, and I had to have that self-awareness to end up setting a boundary that I didn't know I needed until I had the awareness. So... When you say this relationship, do you mean the relationship with her or your no my current relationship with my partner? Mm, I mean, I could see that from an outsider looking in. I don't see you guys interact very often, but when I do, I definitely could see how somebody would perceive it that way. Yeah, I think I kind of distance myself from my friends back home and my friends here for sure. Like I put so much into the relationship that I wasn't getting back that I kind of loved and loved and loved for the both of us and I didn't even realize that I wasn't receiving that love back so now I said fuck that I'm done with that um I think I've said fuck that in other relationships that I've been in as far as friendships um it's kind of different when it's like a romantic partner yeah I think in terms of like it's kind of harder but yeah I'm kind of setting my own boundaries with myself that I'm not going to lose myself and I'm not going to let this take over my life like it kind of did before. Interesting. I feel like I've gotten to that same point in my relationships in the past, but like in my most previous relationship, we both realized that, but I was never really given the opportunity to find myself again. So I guess how did you have this conversation and you guys come to an agreement to work through this together. Because I feel like that's impressive. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, It's hard for sure. I think a lot of the, I guess, closure and peace of mind came from him, him also telling me that he recognized this and he, like, saw this happen over the course of our relationship. He didn't say anything about it, but when I finally realized, it, like, clicked for him as well. I think it doesn't make me... It doesn't make us love each other any less because we still have that love. It's just, it's going to change because I know that I deserve better and that I deserve to have my own life. And I think, especially now, I'm in a very, I'm in a big changing point in my life as far as moving, as far as schooling, as far as everything. And I think this relationship has been the only thing constant in the past year and a half for me. And... I kind of latched onto that, but recognizing that this second big change that's happening in within the time span of this relationship outside of like in my personal life, I saw where it went wrong last time and I'm not going to make the same mistakes again. Interesting. Okay. So this is more of a decision. Now you're like setting those boundaries and exercising them actively. Yes. So that's kind of the solution that you both came to. Wow. How do you think this is going to play out with you moving four hours away from him well do you think that's going to be easier to set boundaries and live your own life or is that going to be more difficult with the distance I think I'm super super excited about it like the closer I get to it obviously it's sad but I'm really excited to 
not have the option to latch on so tightly and not have the option to lean on him for everything. I'm so excited to like lean on friends more or lean on like my work more because I've done that before and I was happy then and I frankly haven't been happy in a long time. So that sense of identity and sense of self, individuality, I mean, that has I feel like that has everything to do with confidence and just even the self-awareness. Like, I don't know. I'm just excited to get my individuality back. Yeah, totally. Wow. I'm really proud of you guys that you are decided to do this together rather than him just saying, yeah, bitch, bye. Yeah. I guess a boundary that I'm trying to create for myself right now is to make the decision to do the hard thing to get to more of what I enjoy. And let me explain. So like I find myself getting locked into my phone, very much doom scrolling. Mm -hmm. And I think part of this is executive dysfunction, but I want to make more of an active decision to do things that I actually enjoy, even when it feels hard in the moment. Yes. I waste so much fucking time doing stupid shit and then I'll look back at the entire day and I'll be like, literally, I, I can think of so many other more productive, more enjoyable and fulfilling activities that I could have done today. And instead, I sat here and binge watched some garbage mm-hmm. or doom scrolled for an embarrassing amount of hours. And I am pissed at myself for it. Absolutely. I do that all the time. That's the exact I was that was my second boundary that I'm working on with myself. I do the exact same thing. Yeah. What it feels so hard in the moment though. Like right. I recognize myself doing this and time and time again I'll be like, mm, maybe tomorrow. Yes. Mm, maybe some other time. Yes. Do I actually want to color right now? No, I'm good. I'm fine. But I know that if I were to actually do it, I would feel so much more fulfilled mm-hmm. after doing that type of activity rather than whatever crumbs I'm trying to pull at by fucking scrolling on TikTok. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that also goes in, for me at least, it makes, it breaks my self-esteem. Like, because I want to be productive and I want to be this, like, badass bitch that's, like, getting shit done. And I feel this crippling sense that I just am sitting watching something and I can't get up. Oh, yeah, the guilt and shame spiral that you go down oh after you God. look at the clock and oh think, my God. I've been sitting here yes. for hours yes. and it's now dark outside. Yes. It's not enjoyable. Like, that's not a fun conclusion to come to. No. And I think also that, like, for me, my highlight of my day when I was, that was my schedule. It was wake up and do that shit and then it's the dark out was I could see my person at the end of it. And that was, like, all the fulfillment I needed. But that shit (laughs) literally destroys your self-confidence. Well, and it also fuels that I'm not going to live my own life. Absolutely. I'm going to latch onto you to bring me excitement. Absolutely. Because my life is is, shit. Yeah, this is a double whammy boundary. Mm -hmm. And this shit's not easy. No, it coincides for sure. I agree. I think for me, the motivation of pressure of time is the best way that I motivate myself. So if I find myself scrolling forever and I then become aware, like, I don't want to be doing this shit, I usually set a timer because I can't immediately switch Mm -hmm. activities. I need to, like, work up to it, I guess. 
So, um, I usually set a timer and I'm like, okay, in blah, blah, blah minutes, I'm going to do this. And usually I like, I don't know, maybe listen to a song, dance around in between because like task switching is difficult, Mm -hmm. but I, that's really all that I've tried so far as far as getting myself into something else. But it sounds like people, neurospicy people, are also motivated by interest and passion, competition, and novelty. So I think it all comes down to the dopamine. Right. I think procrastination, I feel like, has been a big theme in my life in everything. And that may just be an ADHD thing, but, like, the whole time aspect of it, it say, say I've been scrolling all day and I look up and it's dark out. And I have someone like my partner who's expecting me to have done something and is going to ask, what have you done today? That is pressure enough to be like, I need to get X, Y, and Z done, which is I make a list. And I need to get this entire list done before he asked me this question or before I'm held accountable, just like homework or something. Because I will procrastinate till the last minute, but at least it will be done. Is is that a motivating factor that you'd like to continue doing? No, it's not healthy. In okay, any I was going to say because I think sense. that that's like that falls into you not living your own life if you're only Absolutely. doing activities because somebody's going to ask you yeah. what you did that day. But it's hard to make the switch between being a procrastinating ass bitch and being a a, a motivated ass bitch. Yeah, a doing shit ass bitch. Yeah, a, a, an active uh. <laughs> sustainable as bit right i don't know just the switch between like it's always a maybe tomorrow it's always a i've done a shitty job at being a human today but tomorrow will be better so we know the boundaries with ourselves are very important but boundaries with other people <laughs> now yeah there's a there's a thing there right. i have been trying to create boundaries with people in my life and they just think that I'm going to have another manic episode and they Mm. think that I should be medicated. Mm. So how... (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. Guilty of that one, yeah. (laughs) Guilty guilty in a a way that you agree? Guilty and yeah, I've definitely boxed you into that box. I've put you in that cage for sure. So what about creating boundaries makes people think... I'm going off the deep end. Like, that, to me, as a concept, is wild. Well, it was only because last time you made boundaries, you also thought you were the Archangel Gabriel and (laughs) said that you were giving birth to the second coming of Christ. So, where, I guess, what what boundaries was I setting that led up to that? Because I don't even remember setting boundaries during that time. It was not as much boundaries. It was more, like, um, fantastical thinking in the sense that, like, I am becoming who I need to be. I am becoming one with the divine feminine. And that is very much like simple-minded people would see that and think like, oh, she's having these grandiose like ideas about herself that like she's changing and she's morphing into this different person. But it's hard for simpletons to decipher that from personal growth. Yeah, I feel like if you are isolating that and only looking at that, right. then sure, I guess it could look similar. But for me, on this side, it feels entirely different. And right. no matter how many words I try to say that in, 
people don't, the simpletons don't yeah. get it. It's because they can't feel their emotions, and when they've seen such intense explosions and grand displays of the emotions that you felt when you were manic, that is the only thing they have it to equate to. Because you're not a very, very feeling-ass bitch. And you're not a very boundaries-ass bitch. But when you were like that, that was the explosion of every single emotion you could have ever had. So that's all they have to equate it, because it's either that Gabby or cardboard box-ass Gabby. <laughs> um, there's, there's no in-between for them. Interesting. So that's their only comparison point. Yes. For me... Because if it's not glaringly obvious to simpletons, yeah. they're not going to latch onto it. If they have to do, if if they have to do some self work themselves to fix themselves for you, if God God forbid they're going to do that, because they'll just pass it off as well. She's done this before, and it was all her fault. Right, and it definitely serves the other people in my life for me to shut the fuck up. Absolutely. Than it does for me to speak up and say, no, actually, this is how I need you to treat me. And I feel like I definitely put you in that box initially, but I talked to you about it. And I asked you, do you think this? And how do you feel about this? And after I got that sense of you have a bigger array of emotions than just manic and cardboard box, Gabby. (laughs) That I understood you better. Wow. Okay. Well, this, I feel like, is the way that you're supposed to respond when somebody tries to set boundaries. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I appreciate that you did that because um, I, I wish that other people would take a page out of that book. Right. I know um, Simpleton. Right. So I guess... When it comes to boundaries with other people, I actually heard a really cool quote the other day. Boundaries are the space between me being able to love me and love you at the same time. Ooh. Boundaries are the space between me being able to love me and love you at the same time. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I guess as a person that didn't have a fucking how do people in your life respond <laughs> when you try to say boundaries? <laughs> I think, I think I've always had those boundaries. That's the thing. I've always had very high standards for humans that I interact with. And if I don't fuck with you, that's that on that. I'm not going to fuck with you after that. I think I've been raised to have very high expectations. I've surrounded myself with people that I don't take shit from. Therefore, I'm known as I have those boundaries preset. And if you don't live up to my expectations, and if you don't respect my boundaries, I'm not going to give you more than an hour of my time. That's interesting. I feel like I have been perceived as that don't fuck with me type of bitch, but it's because people think I'm mean, not because they think I have standards. Yes, you're intimidating as fuck to outsiders, I feel like. Wow, that's very interesting. Yeah. I feel like also it's very much a persona that you put on for other people to see. (laughs) (laughs) Which, Jesus (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, I would agree. I think that I'm not, I think that I have walls up so high to protect myself. And really, if you look, if you peer over the wall, Mm. if somebody, God forbid, somebody climbs that motherfucking wall, peers over the wall and actually looks to see what's inside, I am just like a teeny, teeny, tiny, little, small child (laughs) that just is like in the fetal position rocking back and forth, looking like they're not a person. With Spongebob playing in the background. <laughs> For three, first three seasons only, by the way. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. I just feel like when people, and I feel like you for so long have 
put on this persona and this person you want to appear as to other people for quite literally your whole life, it's impossible for anybody to see you as anything different because you've never changed your persona. Oh, well, if anybody can read me for filth, it's my mother and sister. <laughs> yeah, bitch, I'm inside that wall. Um, yeah, for sure. Oh my God. I, I think that it really comes down to our upbringing then. Yeah. Like, it sounds like you've always had this strong sense of self mm-hmm. and strong sense of what you will and will not accept. And you're not afraid of the people that you choose abandoning you. Yeah. So you just go all in. Because I've learned that from my mom, like, fully. She's not taking shit. She really puts things into perspective for me. And I feel like if you've never had anybody to put it into perspective, how the fuck are you supposed to know how to put it into perspective? Mic drop. <laughs> I'll let um, that simmer. Yeah, wow, let's marinate on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. I never did have anybody to break it down. I was never able to outwardly process anything. I was self-regulating from birth. Right. Wow, so it really do all come back to childhood. Absolutely. That's I'm a, I mean that's not news, we knew that, no. but but the phrase we're products of our own environment literally rings true like I find a reason to back it up every day. Yeah. It's quite literally true. Like whatever we were raised by is who we become. Whatever we are surrounded by the most is who we are going to be. And also who we surround ourselves with. Absolutely. It reflects in every aspect of our life. <sighs> Shit, man. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like if your entire relationship with, with your mom was gossiping about like talking shit and also your relationship with your father was talking shit that raised you to be a I shallow shit ass uh, bitch. <laughs> shallow bitch who talks shit. Me starting to set boundaries with other people is in fact, if, I think that also comes down to self-worth, too. Like, yes. I am worth expecting more from them, and Absolutely. I don't just have to take the crumbs. Yes. Fuck the crumbs. We deserve Fuck the whole, crumbs! We deserve a whole ass meal. A whole loaf. We're trying to eat. Okay, so I'm not the booty piece of the bread. I'm the whole loaf. We're the whole loaf. And that's what we should expect. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, I'm not trying to hang out with people that think that they're the booty piece of the bread. Absolutely They not. don't bring that much to a relationship. So PSA, folks, if you think that you're the booty piece of the bread, don't come towards me. <laughs> don't come around. Yeah, like if you're hanging out with insecure ass people, that's only going to feed your insecurities. Because yeah, that's what misery, you're relating on. Yeah, misery loves company. Absolutely. Just like you hanging around your father, hating your mother, you probably hated your mom more for it. 100%. Because you yeah. had someone to share that hatred for. Well, yeah. If you didn't have him egging you on in your corner all the time to hate your mother... You probably wouldn't hate her as much. I agree. And she and I have talked about that too. Absolutely. Boundaries are really based on your sense of self, your self-worth, and what you're willing to accept from other people in addition to how you want to be able to show up in that relationship. Absolutely. Because I feel like in order to have a boundary with somebody, you need to have a boundary initially in yourself. Yeah, I agree. Because you can't expect this amount of love from somebody when you don't have that for yourself either. Because how are you going to hold someone to the same expectations that you can't even live up to? Any parting words? I mean, this won't be your last time, but like any parting words that you have for the audience? If you're going to take anything from this entire podcast, in my opinion, it would be... Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Um, 
fuck, it was just on the tip of my fucking tongue! As some parting words, if you're gonna take anything, the catalyst for everything we're talking about comes from self-love and self-awareness. If you're gonna have these boundaries, you have to hold yourself to the same expectations. You have to be a full person to expect other people to be full people for you. You need the same amount of respect and love and effort put into relationships, but if you're not prepared to give that yourself, you can't expect that in return. People can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. Absolutely. And I think that you have to get really, really honest with yourself, too. If you're lying to yourself about this shit, I mean, it's all gonna be... Definitely wake the fuck up. Yeah, garbage. I just want to say thanks for having me. Um, It was a great time. I had a great time, and I will see you guys so soon. (laughs) (laughs) I needed to say that. I needed to say it. Okay, Miss YouTube. So hit the like and subscribe and comment down below um, and tune in next week to see my favorite video, not clickbait, um, uncensored, real live footage. (laughs) Hit that bell button and subscribe. And hit the like. And hit the subscribe. And hit the quan. That was disgusting. (laughs) Oh my god. No. You can't. You can't. Bye. Literally bye. Literally bye. Literally bye.